Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7. We're going to read from verse 36 all the way to 50. It's a long passage, but I, am, I pray that you indulge me. Amen. Luke chapter number 7, 36 to 50. Bible says that then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, noticed that the woman was a sinner. Amen. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box, flax of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with tears and wipe them with her hair, the hair of her head. And she kissed him, kissed his feet, and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisees who invite the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known or would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. So he said, teacher, say it. And the, what, what, what chapter, what verse am I on? 41. He said, there's a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five denarii and the other two, the other 50. And they had nothing with which to repay he freely forgave them both. So tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you did not give me, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair, the hair of the head. You kiss, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Amen, amen, amen. Extravagant worship. Somebody say extravagant worship. Now, the word extravagant is an adjective that describes something. Amen. It's describing how something is done. So when we say extravagant worship, we are qualifying the type of worship we are talking about. Amen. Which means that you can have a mega worship. You can have a um, limited worship. 
you can have a, a very restrained type of worship. Amen. Extravagance means exceeding the limit of reason. I'm giving you, this is from the Cambridge Dictionary. Extravagant is an adjective that means exceeding the limit of reason. That means that you go beyond what is reasonable. Hallelujah. What am I saying? I'm saying that a lot of people like to worship God reasonably. Within reason. You are in public, so comport yourself. Keep it together. Be reasonable about the worship. Are you understanding it? It also means not lagging in moderation. Or, uh, sorry, lacking in moderation. Moderation means being middle, being very, very, you know, economic with it. But you are lacking moderation, which means that you are going too much. You don't do moderate. You are doing too much. Without balance, you don't have any balance. You don't have restraint when it comes to worship. Extravagant also means excessively elaborate. Excessively elaborate. How many have seen somebody dressed in a very excessively elaborate dress? The, the dress is overpowering. Please look for a, a picture of somebody who is dressed in excessively elaborate dress. Are you okay? This is English. We haven't started preaching, so yes. <laughs> yes, let's look at English. It also means spending much more than necessary. Spending much more than necessary. Profuse, profuse or lavish. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is that God expects us to worship him in a very elaborate way. Did you find the dress? Somebody's wearing an over-elaborate. Incidentally, for those who can see, it's a pink suit he's wearing. Over-elaborate. You know, it's like it stands out. It stands out. Everybody's looking at him. Are you getting it? Because the type of, of um, what do you call it, that he's doing is not a very common dress. Look for, look for a lady who has dressed over elaborate. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus comes to town and a Pharisee invites Jesus to dinner. And when Jesus goes for this dinner, 
a woman comes and decides to wash the feet of Jesus with her tears and wipe his feet with her hair. Everybody knows that the glory of any woman is her hair. Isn't that true? Oh, ladies, are you leaving me out to dry? Okay. All right. I know the hair you are carrying is not yours, but <laughs> just indulge me. <laughs> oh, you knew I was going to go there, so <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, let me skip past it. Hmm. So this woman comes, you know, picture this. In those days, they, they walk on dusty cobble streets, very dusty. So the culture was that when a prominent person comes to the house, to anybody's house, the first thing they do is you get your slave or you get your uh, servant to wash the person's feet and you dry them with a, a towel and put oil on their feet. That shows your respect and your honor that you are giving to the person. Am I making sense? So that was a culture. And in those days when they, the type of tables they used were very, very low tables. So the table is very, very low. So obviously when the person sits, they stretch their feet. They sit on the floor, stretch their feet, and the table is on their lap, if you like. Are you getting the picture? All right. Now, Jesus comes to this place, and the woman comes wiping the hair with the hair, the, 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 the feet with the hair, and breaks an alabaster box of precious ointment. Now, in those days, an alabaster box of ointment cost, if you like, 300 pence or 300, let's make it 300,000 or 30,000, whatever you want to say. In those days, a day's wage was one pence. So a penny is a day's wage. So it means that you have to work 300 days to be able to have that box of ointment. Amen. And the oil is a product of a rare plant from India. It is a, spik a spikenard which was produced only in India and was hard to acquire it as it was very expensive. People were forced to save many years in order to be able to afford that ointment. Hello? Are, are you getting it? I'm trying to give you the background of, of the message. And in breaking the box, two things had to happen. The box had a glass. Now, the glass was, the box is wrapped in a glass. Okay? And the glass, once it's broken, you have to use everything. You can't, 
It's not like a perfume that you spray and keep the rest. When you break, everything finishes. Another thing that you must also understand of, of the culture in those days was that when somebody comes to visit you, an important person comes to visit you, and you serve the person with a glass, when the person leaves, you break the glass because you don't want any other person, any less person to use the glass after that prominent person has used it. Are you getting the culture? Are you understanding? So it shows a certain rare reverence that you give to somebody. How many have some china or some plates, some, some crockery that you never use unless a very, very, very important person comes to your house? How many have something like that? Give me a wave. Only two people. If, if the queen is coming to visit, you will not serve with that broken plate that you use. Okay, you go and bring the, 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 that's good. You have got the alabaster box. That's nice. Keep it there for me. So you see, there's a box. Inside the box is like a, a glass that contains, because the box cannot contain oil. It's a glass in the box that contains the oil. So when you break it, you break the, the bottle and then it's gone. So the culture, remember the culture, when you give something important, a person comes, you give them a, a, a plate or a glass to use. When they leave, you break it as a sign of honor and respect. Amen. Another thing, this particular um, alabaster box were used for only four categories of people. Only four types of people get to use this or get to have this done for them. All right? First of all, kings. Second Kings 9.3. Just write it down. We'll, we'll visit it later on. So you never break this alabaster box of precious ointment for anybody. You have to break it when you are dealing with a king. Number two, it was used for priests. Exodus 29.7. Amen. Number three, it was used for prophets. First Kings 19.16. And number four, it was used to honor the dead. That's John chapter 19, verse 39 to 40, and Luke chapter number 23, 56, verse 56, and Mark 16, 1. All right. Have you got it? So first it's used for what? Kings. Second. Priest. Third. Fourth. So this woman in breaking the alabaster box 
was acknowledging Jesus as the king, was acknowledging Jesus as a prophet, a priest, was acknowledging Jesus as a prophet, and number four, was acknowledging the death and the burial of Jesus. Are, are you getting it? Now, the act of this woman is so significant that just imagine this is an ordinary day occurrence, just a normal dinner. And the woman does something and it's so significant and so important that it is recorded in the Bible. It's been over 2,000 years. We are still reading it. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of us, when we come to the house of God, we don't know the God we are serving. We don't know him as a king. We do not know him as the priests, our high priest. We don't know him as our, the prophets. And we don't acknowledge his death. It is very, very easy to abuse something when you don't know the use of it. It is so easy to worship God in any way, any form, when you don't have a certain revelation of who God is. That is the reason why when we see the queen, we see uh, the boss, you know, an ordinary boss who, who doesn't know whether they'll be alive tomorrow, you, you, your behavior changes. But when you come to the house of God, you just, you are anyhow about him. How many understand what I'm saying? If you are going for an interview, you are going to meet an ordinary person. They are not even the boss. You're, 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 the whole day, the whole night, your mind is focused on the person and what is going to happen. And when you go and sit in front of the person, you are shaking you are, because the, you think that the person holds your destiny. All of a sudden, you become nervous. And it's, it's just an ordinary worker in the, in the company. He can be fired tomorrow. <laughs> are you getting it? But you have a certain respect, a certain reverence, and you are praying that God should touch the person's heart. But the God that can change your life, that can change your, your sleeping place. Today you are sleeping at home. Tomorrow you may be in the hospital. Or you may be in the mortuary. He, you don't have that same reverence for him. Hello? Is him, is, is, is God the king of kings? Look at Revelation 9.16 with me. Is God, now the number of the army of, Revelation 19, sorry, 1916, 1916. And he has on his robe the tie on his tired name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How many believe that we are worshiping the King of Kings? Which means that if you line up all the royalties, you line Queen Elizabeth, Queen something, Queen something, Queen something, Queen something, the whole kings and queens of the earth. He is the king among all the kings and queens. Hallelujah. Can you see, can you see what, what I'm talking about? That is, that we are talking about somebody that is high and lifted up. 
See, sometimes we don't have the revelation of who God is. That is how we behave in a certain way. You know, in in Isaiah chapter 6, when King Hosea died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And immediately I said to myself, woe is me, I am undone. Why do you think he's saying I am undone? He's saying I am undone because the way he has worshipped God up to this point pales in comparison to the vision of God that he saw. Am I making sense? A lot of times our worship is based on the person standing next to us. Who is as blind as we are? We don't have any revelation of the God that we are serving. So we sink with the same exuberance of the person standing next to us. If they are very un, without any emotion, unmoved, unperturbed, you find yourself also being unmoved and rigid. Because you don't want to stand out. But I, trust me, if you see God, look at the scripture with me, Isaiah 6. He said that I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train or the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with, with two they covered their face, with two they they covered their feet and with two they flew. And one who cried, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is full of your glory. And the post of the door was shaken by his voice and cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of unclean people. Hallelujah. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. For I have now received a certain revelation of who God is. And nothing has now affected my worship. Hallelujah. This woman had a certain revelation of who God was. Which the guys who were surrounding Jesus, even the disciples, had no clue of who Jesus was. That is why they dare to criticize Jesus. Because if, if Jesus was a king, if it was Caesar who had come to that room and an alabaster box of oil is broken, there would not have been any big deal. Because he's a king. He's the emperor. If, if uh, what do you call it? A great prophet had arrived there like Moses and they realized that this is Moses or this Abraham. They would have done the same and it would not have been a problem. But because they saw Jesus as an ordinary person, it became an issue. Hallelujah. How do you see Jesus? How do you see God? How are you worshiping? 
Because we can identify your estimation of who God is through your worship. How elaborate your worship is will tell us whether you have a revelation of Jesus or not. So ask yourself, how do I see Jesus? Hello? How, how, many, how many are with me so far? Yeah. Listen, let nobody show you how to worship. Let nobody, your standard of worship must not be the same as everybody. Your standard of worship is linked to your revelation of who God is to you. Am I making sense? So who is God to you? If God is high and lifted up, then your worship will be different. It will be high and extravagant. If God is just ordinary like anybody, then you'll be ordinary like anybody. Amen. Is he a king of kings? Is he a priest? Is he a high priest of your salvation? Is he the prophet that is leading you to eternal life? Is he the, what was the fourth one? Is he, is he, is he a significant person that has left your life? See, for most of us in this room, we understand the elaborate nature of burial. <laughs> a lot of people don't. But I'm sure everybody in this room will, will understand that if you want money to be spent on you, die. <laughs> When you die, monies will come from nowhere. Monies that we don't have will be conjured and will be used to celebrate you. You know, different cultures do different things. Do you understand? But even in this part of the world, burial is very one of the most expensive things. In this part of the world, the average, the commonest or average burial, you are starting from 10,000 pounds. And that is, that is just nothing. Basic. That's very, very basic. Yeah. Believe me, I've buried a lot of people in this country, so I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Very, very basic. 10,000. That is, that is just a normal... When you don't have any family and you're a pauper, the government gives 4000 for anybody who dies. There's, they call it something, uh, pauper something, that is released to the funeral directors to get. So if you're a man of faith, they'll come and hire me to come and do this and pray and pour dust, earth to earth, dust to dust, and they'll buy the, a small plot, which is like the cheap part of the cemetery, and throw you down there. But if you are a prominent person, then it starts from 10,000, and it goes, the horse drawn, 
You are talking, it's each thing you add is thousands of pounds is being added. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Some people look at me. <laughs> Amen. Are, are you with me? Yeah. So, this woman comes to Jesus and expresses a few things that I want us to look at. She broke the box of oil and pours it at Jesus' feet. The oil is very, very expensive because she has a certain revelation of who Jesus is. Amen. She comes to a certain realization that this prophet who is the king of kings, who is the high priest of our salvation, would die and would not be given the opportunity for fragrant oil to be poured on him. So she says, let me anoint him now in advance. So Jesus says that in, in, in uh, uh, look at Mark 14, 8. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Can you see that she has a revelation? Which others don't have. You need a certain revelation to have a certain worship. Amen. Oh, I said amen. Are you learning something? Yeah, this is a, 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 a weekday service, so we are going to take our time. So, high priest, Exodus 29, 7. And Hebrews 3, 1. Let's start with Exodus 29, 7. And take, you shall take the anointed oil and pour it on his head to anoint him. Go to Hebrews 3, 1. So you anoint a high priest. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He is what? The apostle and the high priest of our... Verse 1, verse 1, verse 1. Don't go, don't go anywhere. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. So does he qualify? We saw in the, the, that he's king of kings, right? And then we have seen that he qualifies to be a, a priest. Prophet, Matthew 13, 31, and 1 Kings 19, 16. Let's look at Matt, uh, to, uh, to 1 Kings 1916 first. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimsi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abemelhola, as you shall anoint as what? Prophet in your place. So kings are anointed, prophets are anointed. Amen. And we are looking at Matthew 
Have I got the scripture right? Kingdom of God is like a man to get. Okay, move on. No, I don't think that's the scripture. All right, I'll find it, don't worry. Amen. So, a prophet needs to be um, anointed. Next one is the dead. I think we have seen that already. John 19, 39 to 40. And Luke 23, 56. Amen. Quickly, please. Luke 23, 56. Some sometime soon, one day. Oh, uh. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. They rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Okay, so Jesus has died. They prepared, and the next day, they they brought the spices which they had prepared to pour on his body. Amen. Hallelujah. Another thing that I want you to see about this woman is that when she came, now we are dealing with Mary, when she came, she was more humble than everybody else in the room. How many will agree with me? It takes a certain humility to come and perform the duty that was given to the slave. The slaves in those days, or the, the what do you call it, um, servants in those days were the ones whose duty it was to wash the feet of the people, the guests, and anoint. And he does not do that with water. He, she does not do that with, um, what do you call it, a sponge or a towel. Sorry, a towel. But she uses her tears and her hair which means that she is not bothered about her appearance. The reason why a lot of us cannot worship in a certain way, especially in the house of God, is because we are too bothered about our appearances. For you to cry a lot, for your tears to be able to wash somebody's feet, it means that the tears must be very, very profusive, isn't it? Profuse. And you have to have some flames coming from your nose. Isn't that true? I'm talking about, just, just, I keep telling you, I read the Bible in pictures, so it makes sense to me. It means you have to have a certain carelessness to be able to cry that much. And for you, for the woman to be able to get down to the feet of Jesus, I showed you the position. He's sitting on the floor. His feet are stretched out. It means you have to either be prostrate. You understand? You have to be on the floor for you to have enough time. I don't care how long your hair is. You will have to be at, the, at that low level in order to be able to use your hair to wipe, wipe 
the feet. So she has a certain humility. Amen. And that is lacking in most of us in the house of God. That is how come we cannot worship God like this woman. That is how come we cannot be elaborate, extravagant in our worship. Because we are too much about ourselves. You see another person who worshipped extravagantly, King David, in the presence of God. He worshipped and he danced so much that his clothes, his kingly robes came off. And he was despised by his wife. What happens is that, and and what Michal said to David was, how low was the king? You have to be very low to not care about your state of dress, dressing in public. Am I making sense? You have to be, you have to have a certain carelessness to not want to care about the clothes you have on. The royal dress, your Calvin Klein suit. Your give me give me different suits. That you cannot put, you cannot put your your clothes on the floor to kneel or to lie on the floor. Are, are you getting it? it? It takes a certain humility. And that humility must come from inside to be able to do it. Amen. And it's a certain humility that we all don't have. Most of us don't have. And that's how come it's very difficult for us to worship extravagantly. The next thing about this woman is that she could not be bothered about the people around her. She didn't care about how people thought or who people thought she was. You think about it. In those days, women are not allowed in the company of men. When a man is here having banquet, the women are in the next room. Do you understand? Let's say we're having banquet here. If the men are here, the women are supposed to be in the prayer room. Can you understand that? That was a culture. You don't have men and women mixing. So for this woman to come in the midst of men into the place where Jesus is sitting and perform whatever worship she did, it means she didn't care about what people thought of her. You must have that carelessness of not thinking and being worried about what people say about you to give extravagant worship. How many understand what I'm saying? A lot of us can't worship God in that way because we care too much about what people think. David said to Michal that it is the God that took me and from the backside of the desert and put me in the place of your father. I was nobody. And he has made me somebody. So if I am displaying my nobodiness, in front of him. I don't really care. What do you think? But Michael, like modern day believers, we are very, very careful of our social standing. We are careful of 
You know, all these common girls and common boys who are dancing in front. Have you not realized that in the church, it's only the common boys and the common girls that come to dance in front. The dignified people stand there and they clap off beat. And they, they dance off beat. And they have a certain look of importance around them. They don't express any joy because they want to look unimportant. Next time you are looking all important, I want you to have a certain picture. In the mortuary, you don't have your Gucci clothes on. You are stripped bare. For, and you are grouped in the middle of everybody, with everybody. I, are you getting a picture? Can you see the picture I'm painting? We are all done nothing. We are nobody before him. There are a lot of people that woke up this morning with all of us. But at this minute we are talking, there are no more. I was coming to church and on the radio they just announced that one of the football, two of the football stars in Ukraine just died trying to defend their hometown. So prominent footballers who went to fight have been killed. They woke up this morning full of energy. 20-something-year-olds full of energy. We are going. As we speak, they are no longer alive. What makes you different? They didn't have any plans of going to war. A week ago, a madman got up and says that we are I'm going to war. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> then she was also willing to be seen in public with her head down. It's a sign of an immoral woman. In those days, the women covered their hair. Do you understand that? Have you seen the Muslim women? They keep their hair wrapped. It's the, it's the same culture. It's the same culture. The women are not allowed to expose their hair. So you put a veil and you hide your hair. So for you to expose your hair and use the same hair to wash somebody's feet, then it means that you are not, you don't care how people regard you. A lot of us, even as immoral as we may be, we don't want anyone to expose us. We don't want anybody to see that we are immoral. Is that true? You don't want your skirt, your, your underwear to be exposed. You don't want your natural hair to be exposed. I told you about that lady who was dancing with a wig on. Do you remember? 
on the mountain, in the valley, on the land. Then the Lord is my person, and we came off. She, she was jumping, she picked the, the wig, put it back on, and <laughs> kept on jumping. She doesn't care to, to be exposed. Somebody would have felt very embarrassed when I've run. I remember I went somewhere and I was praying for this lady. <laughs> she just spun around and then she fell. Then I brought her back. Before I realized her head was here. <laughs> no, no, the way got turned this way. <laughs> At the point, when I lay my hands, then she'll catch her hair before she falls down. <laughs> so the hair was in the way. So I told her, sister, let the hair go. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Amen. It appears that Mary was totally unselfconscious. In her adoration and love of Jesus. Hallelujah. She was careless. She was unselfconscious. We need a certain carelessness in our worship. Am I talking to somebody? We need a certain carelessness. Some of us, we are too careful. We, we, we worry too much about what people think. We can't surrender everything to him. I'm going to ask five questions as we close. Five questions. Are you ready? Question number one. How big are your debts that Jesus has canceled for you? Jesus said that this woman, her debts are many. And therefore, she loves more. But the one to whom less has been forgiven, loves less. So, can we look at your worship and be able to estimate how much debt of yours has been forgiven? Because if you are very, very altogether put... It means you don't have a lot of debt that has been forgiven. Either you don't have a lot of debt that has been forgiven or you don't appreciate the debt that has been paid for you. What is the, what is the answer? Number two, how generous was he towards you considering the pain that your sins inflicted on him? Assuming he paid your price, the price of your sins with his body. Bible says that he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Amen. And if he paid the price with the pain of his body, then my question to you is that how generous was he towards you, considering the pain that your sins inflicted on him. 